I know a God who is a provider. And when God guides, God always provides. Amen. How many of you know that we serve a God who provides? And, and he doesn't just provide for us financially. We serve a God who provides whatever we need. Matter of fact, one of God's names, get this, one of God's names is Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. And God got that name from a man by the name of Abraham. You remember back in Genesis chapter 11, chapter 12, God speaks to Abraham and he tells Abraham that he's going to be the father of many nations, that he's going to have many descendants. Well, that troubled Abraham a little bit because at that time, Abraham was 75 years old and still didn't have any children. None whatsoever. Now, what would you do if God said that your descendants are going to be like the stars in the heavens and your descendants are going to be like the sand of the seashore, but at 75, you still don't have any kids? You'd be like Abraham. You'd say, God, well, how is this going to happen being that I don't have any children? And God gives him a promise that he's going to give him a son and that through that son, he would become the father of many nations and have many great descendants. Well, about 25 years later, the promise is fulfilled. Abraham is now 99 to 100 years old, and Sarah is about 90, and God comes back to them and confirms his promise that he's going to give them a son. Now, during the waiting period, as all of us know, Abraham and Sarah tried to take things into their own hands. Sarah looked at Abraham one day and said, I don't think I'm ever going to have a kid, so why don't you go in and, and lay down with Hagar, our servant, why don't you go in and, and have relations with her and then we'll get a son out of that relationship, which Abraham was willing to do. You know, most men probably, most men probably would. And out of that relationship, out of that relationship is a son by the name of Ishmael. Ishmael. But Ishmael wasn't God's plan for Abraham and Sarah. All Ishmael did was cause tension and problems and trouble for Abraham and Sarah and has been an issue ever since. But God would fulfill his promise and he would give Abraham and Sarah a son and they would name him Isaac. Now, after they have this son by the name of Isaac, God does the strangest thing. Because after they've waited a hundred years, Abraham's waited a hundred years for this child. When he's a boy, when he grows up to be about a teenager, God shows up and speaks to Abraham one day and says, I want you to take your son. And, and notice how he said it. He said, the son that you love. Why? Because Abraham would have probably been happy to take Ishmael to the mountain and sacrifice Ishmael. But God, God was very clear, not Ishmael, Isaac, the son that you love. I want you to take him to the mountain and as an act of worship, I want you to sacrifice your son's life to me. Now, aren't you glad you don't still live in that culture? <laughs> because God doesn't ask things like that of us in this culture. I mean, literally wanting us to take someone's life. Now, he does want us to surrender our lives and to live our lives for him. But here's what Abraham does. Abraham is obedient to God. 
and he gets his son, he gets wood, he gets the fire, and understand, Isaac has been with his dad to the altar before. Isaac has been with his dad to worship before. And he notices as they're going to this place of worship, he notices that something very important is missing. He looks at his dad and he says, Dad, we have the wood and we have the fire, but Dad, where's the sacrifice? And in Genesis chapter 22, verse 8, listen to what Abraham says. Abraham answered Isaac and said, God himself will provide. God himself will provide the lamb. God himself will provide the sacrifice. So they get to the top of the mountain. He ties Isaac up. He puts him on on an altar, takes his knife, and as he's going back with the knife, about to follow through on what God's told him to do, suddenly the angel of the Lord speaks and says, Stop! Now I know. He says, Don't harm your son. Now I know that you fear the Lord. And at that moment, look at what the Scripture says. Abraham looked up, And there in a thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. Don't you know that Isaac's over there on that altar saying, thank you, God, that before I ever had a problem, you had a plan. And that's what we talked about last week when it came to the miracle of protection. That long before your problem existed, God already had a plan to resolve your problem. And notice what happens in verse 14. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. He called that place Jehovah Jireh because it was at this place that the Lord provided a sacrifice. Hear me this morning, church. God is a provider. He is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Paul even reminds us in the New Testament, Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. He said, and my God, my God, my God will meet all your needs. Not just any God, my God, the God of heaven, the creator of the heavens and the earth. He said, my God will meet all your needs. Everybody say all. all. Come on, say it with a little bit more enthusiasm. All. He said, my God will meet or supply all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Now, I know you've heard this before, but in case you haven't, I want you to notice what he did not say. He did not say, and my God will meet all your wants. Amen? But he says, my God will meet all your needs. He is a provider. And there are three things this morning that I want to share with you as it relates to the provision of God and receiving the miracles of God's provision in your life. And here's the first thing. That is, when God guides, he always provides. Now, I know you're like, well, pastor, I've heard that before. Maybe you've heard it a little differently, that where God guides, he provides. And that's true, that where God guides, he provides. But we need to understand today that when God guides us, God will always provide for us. 
But you've got to be obedient to the guidance of God. You've got to be following his guidance. You've got to be following his will, his plan, his purpose. Because when God guides, he always provides. I love this passage in Isaiah 58 and 11 that says, The Lord will guide you always. And maybe I can throw in a little something here, if you'll follow, if you'll let him. But he says that the Lord will guide you always, and I love this next statement. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. That means that even in a time of famine, that even in a time of barrenness, that even in a time of economic upheaval, the Bible says that even during those times of shortage, that God will provide for his people, even in a sun-scorched land. That's what he did for the children of Israel. You remember, he guided them into the wilderness. And because he was the one who guided them there, he's the one who provided for them there. He gave them a pillar of fire by night so that they could see where they were going. He gave them a pillar of cloud by day to protect them from the heat of the sun. He gave them water out of a rock miraculously. Have you ever seen that happen in the middle of a desert? Water coming out of a dry, old, crusty rock? Well, that's exactly the miracle that God performed. He gave them bread that just fell out of heaven. Quail would become deranged in their little bird brains. And they would fly into the camp of the Israelites so that they could have quail for dinner. For 40 years, they wandered in the wilderness. And the Bible says their clothes or their shoes never wore out. Why? Because where God guides and when God guides, God is always going to provide. But perhaps my favorite story in the Bible that drives this point home is found here in 1 Kings chapter 17. And we'll come back to that here in just a moment. But in 1 Kings chapter 17, God speaks to the prophet Elijah. And these stories are stories that you've heard before. You should have read them before if you've read your Bible so there are stories you've heard before, but I want you to see how these principles apply to these stories that we're talking about. But Elijah, God speaks to Elijah one day and he says to Elijah, he said, I want you to go to King Ahab. And in case you don't remember who King Ahab was, his wife was Jezebel. He said, I want you to go to Ahab and I want you to make the announcement to him that it's not going to rain for three and a half years. That we're about to enter into a time of famine Enter into a time of barrenness. Tell him it's not going to rain for three and a half years. And then he said, after you make your announcement, he said, I want you to go down to a brook east of the Jordan River called the Kareth Brook. And he said, there, where I guide you, there, I'm going to send ravens to feed you in the morning and in the afternoon. And you're going to have water to drink from the brook. And look at what happens in 1 Kings 17. Elijah is obedient. He did what the Lord told him, and he went to the Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning. Now, for some of you that don't realize what a miracle that is, when a famine hits, it doesn't just hit human beings. It also hits the livestock. And so there was also a famine for ravens. 
Ravens are vultures. They feed on the carcasses of dead bodies. But what does God have these ravens doing? He has them showing up every morning and every afternoon, bringing the man of God something to eat. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Even in a time of famine, because he was where God guided him, God provided for him. But notice what happens next in the story. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. That seems to happen when there hadn't been any rain for three and a half years. The brook dries up. Now, Elijah could have done what a lot of people do when the brook dried up and say, well, God, you're the one that sent me here, and now you've allowed the brook to dry up. Listen, if God allows a brook to dry up, it's because he's got a better place he wants to send you. Amen. And he's still going to provide for you if you'll go where he's guiding you. And notice what it says here. It said, sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah again and said, go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. Notice how important it is that he stays there. That he stays where God sends him until God says leave there. Because there is the place of God's provision. There is the place of God's protection. There is where God is going to make sure that your needs are being provided for. How many of you this morning feel like you are there? You're where God has led you. You're where God has guided you. That you're where God has placed you. If that's the case, God is obligated to provide for you and to take care of you. But notice what he says. Go to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he used ravens. Now he's going to use widows. The most unlikely sources in a time of famine... God uses those sources to meet the needs of the man of God. And notice what happens. Elijah then leaves. He goes to where this widow woman is in Zarephath. When he gets there, this widow woman is out in the yard and she's picking up sticks because she's going to build a fire. And the man of God shows up, introduces himself to her, and says to her, Honey, I've just made a long journey and I'm really thirsty. Could you please get me a cup of water? She doesn't seem to have a problem with that. She goes to get the man of God a cup of water. And as she's going to get the cup of water, he says, And oh, by the way, while you are at it, would you make me a cake of bread, a loaf of bread? That's when she stopped, dead in her tracks, turned back around, looked at the man of God, and said, Listen, water I can handle, but... I've just got enough meal left in my little barrel to make me and my son one more meal to eat. And we've already decided, I've gathered the sticks, we're going to build a fire, we're going to cook that last meal, and then we're going to prepare to die. But notice what Elijah says to her. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. I believe that's a word for somebody here in this room today. Because God is about to challenge some of you to release some things. And you don't think you can afford to give. 
You don't think you can afford to release it. There's fear that's keeping you from releasing what God is speaking to you release today. But the Holy Spirit wants you to know, don't be afraid. Do not fear. He said, go home and do as you have said. Just go on, cook the meal like you intended to cook it for you and your son. But then notice what he says. But first, everybody say first. How many of you know you got to always put God first in your life and in every area of your life? She said, but first make me a small loaf of bread. Now listen, Elijah is not being a selfish man of God here. What Elijah is trying to get this lady to do is to be obedient to the word of God that has previously been spoken to her. Because you remember that God spoke to Elijah and said, I've already talked to a widow woman and put it in her heart to feed you and to meet that need. And so he says, first, make me a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. But do what God says to do first. And notice what she does. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, Elijah tells her. That the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day that the Lord sends rain on the earth. She went away and she did as Elijah had told her. So there was food, look at this, every day. Everybody say every day. Not just three days a week. Not just four days, every single day, God made sure that she and her family and the man of God had something to eat. There was food every day for Elijah, for the woman, and for her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. You hear me this morning, when God guides, God will always provide, even in a sun's sword scorched, barren, famine land, God will make sure you have everything you need. Somebody just thank God for that this morning. Amen. Now see, that's why I am absolutely convinced, and I know you may get sick of hearing this, but I don't get sick of saying it. That's why I'm absolutely convinced that everything we need here at Summerton Church of God to do what God has put in our heart to do, God is going to provide it because this man standing on this stage here today knows without a doubt that he was guided here by the Lord and that the Lord sent him here and that this is a moment in time for such a time as this. And I know I'm right smack dab in the middle of God's will. I know I'm doing exactly what God has called me to do. I know I'm right where God has told me to be. And because I am obedient to where he's guided me, listen to me, it's not because of me. It's because God is faithful to his word. And God is faithful to do what he says. So I don't lose sleep at night. I don't toss and turn wondering how we're going to do this or how we're going to do that. No, I know a God who is a pro. And when God guides, God always provides. Amen. Here's the second thing. God always miraculously multiplies what is given. And listen to me. He multiplies what you release. He multiplies what you give. 
If you don't give it, he can't bless it and multiply it. If you don't release it, he cannot bless it and multiply it. Uh, Again, one of my favorite stories in the Bible that you've heard so much illustrates this point so perfectly. And and again, it's in the Old Testament book of 2 Kings chapter 4. Beginning at verse 1, and you've heard me share some of this story before. It says that the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha. And Elisha's the one that would take over for the prophet Elijah when he was taken up to heaven in a whirlwind. And the mantle that was on Elijah fell upon Elisha, but it was a double portion of the anointing that fell on Elisha. And when you go back and study the ministry of Elisha, you'll find that, he, that God did twice as many miracles in the ministry of Elisha than he did Elijah. Why? Because when God says something's going to happen, it's going to happen. A double part. I want a double. I want a triple. I want a quadruple, man. I want all the anointing that God has to give. Because I know we can't do anything apart from the anointing of God. But it says that this woman comes to Elisha. And it says that, She says to him, you're your servant, my husband is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditors is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Proverbs 22 and 7 says that the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. Debt makes you a slave to those you owe. You may not call it that. But that's what the scripture says. The rich rule over the poor and the borrower is a slave to the lender. And that's what's happening here. This man has died. He has debts. The, the, the wife doesn't have the money to pay the debts. And so the creditor comes and takes the boys and says, well, I'm going to work them until the debt's been paid. And then notice what happens next. Elisha replied to her and said, well, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Man, maybe that's a question the Holy Spirit's asking somebody today. What do you have to give? What what do you have to invest? What do you have to release? And maybe your response is like her. She said, your servant has nothing at all except a small jar of olive oil. Now, don't you know if that's all she's got left, that she's probably been protecting that, making sure nobody, you know, mishandles the bottle and drops it and it spills out because this is all that she's got left. She's got to hang on to this. She's got to protect this. She's probably got it in the safe. She's probably got it where nobody can find it, where thieves, when they break in, aren't going to be able to find it and steal it. She's doing everything she can to protect it. But she said, all I've got is a small jar of olive oil. And Elisha said this to her. He said, well, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars And then he said this, he said, but whatever you do, don't ask for just a few. This is a test. It's a test for her. How much do you think God can bless your obedience? What kind of faith do you have in God? You go out and get a couple of jars, then you're saying, well, I believe God can fill a couple. You go out and get 10, I believe God can fill 10 from that little small source. Or you go out and get a thousand or five thousand or ten thousand. Depends on your level and your amount of faith that you have in God. And he said, whatever you do, don't just get a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Now, why do you think he would say, go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons? Because sure enough, somebody would show up and say, you lost your mind, woman. 
If you think something like this is going to work, if you think you're taking that little bitty vial of oil that you have and you're going to be able to fill up all these empty jars with that, you're crazy. So he says, you go to your house and you shut the door, just you and your sons. And then he says, here's what you've got to do. You've got to pour oil. You've got to take what you have and give it. You've got to take what you have and release it. And she said, pour, he said, pour oil into all the jars. And as each is filled, put one to the side. And she left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her. And I love this. She kept pouring. She kept pouring. Son, hand me another jar. She filled that jar up. Son, hand me another jar. She filled that jar up. Set it to the side. Son, hand me another jar. She filled that jar. That little bitty ball of oil. As long as she's pouring and as long as there's an empty vessel, the oil continues to flow. But then notice, when all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. I don't know if she got 10, 100, 1,000, or 10,000. But I know that as long as there was an empty jar, God multiplied that oil and God blessed this woman. Because notice what happens. She then goes to the man of God and she says to the man of God, I did everything that you said. Now what do I do with all of these jars of oil? And here's what he said to her. He said, go and sell all of those jars of oil and pay your bills. She did that and had money left over. And he said, well, then just go ahead and live on the rest. Oh, what a God we serve. He's not a God who just just enough in your life. He does enough and then some to pay your bills and live on the rest. Somebody thank God for his provision, for the abundance of God's provision. It was the same thing that happened when Jesus was with his disciples. And he said, come on, we got to go to the other side of the lake. I'm tired. I'm weary. I've been ministering to people. He gets in a boat to go to the other side of the lake and people recognize them going and they take off running and they're standing there waiting on Jesus when he gets to the other side. He just couldn't get away from folks. And he began to teach them. And it got late in the day and the people got hungry and Jesus looked at his disciples and said, y'all go get some food for these folks. You know what his disciples said? Lord, there's 5,000 men in this crowd, not including the women and children. While we're looking at six months wages, to be able to buy enough food to feed all these people. And here's what Jesus said to them. What do you have? Just like he did with that lady. What do you have in your house? And one of the disciples stepped forward and said, well, you know, there's a, there's a little boy here and he's the only one that prepared for this thing and he's got, he's got a couple of loaves of fish and, or, or a couple of fish and, and five loaves of bread, that's all. Jesus said, get it and bring it to me. The little boy released it. The little boy gave it. The disciples brought it to Jesus. He took those couple of fish and five loaves of bread and he broke them and blessed them, prayed over them, and they multiplied to where 5,000 men, not including the women and children, were filled to the full like they had just left Ryan's buffet and had all they wanted to eat. And not only that, but when it was over, get this, this is what's so exciting about God. He didn't just meet their needs, 
But when they were done, they went around and gathered up all the fragments. And they had 12 basketfuls of food left over. They had more after everybody had been fed than they did before everybody had been fed. You say, why 12 basketfuls? How many disciples were there? There were 12 disciples. I believe God wanted to send every disciple home that day with a basketful of food, reminding them that nothing is too hard for God. And when you give God what you have, when you release what you have to God, God can bless it and multiply it. And it'll go so much further than you and I could have ever imagined. What is given to him. Hear me, this is so important. You've got to give it. You've got to give it. Let's just pretend this morning, this is all I have. I have a peppermint. But let's just pretend that this peppermint is a seed. A seed. I could say, you know what, this is the only seed I have. The, the, The last seed that I have left. I don't want to lose it. I want to protect this seed. So I'm going to put this seed in my pocket. And you know what, as long as I protect that seed, I will always have a seed. But the moment that I say, you know what? I can trust God. And I release that seed and I put that seed in the soil. Let's just say it was an acorn. And I put that acorn in the soil. You know what's going to happen? Now from that's going to come an oak tree. And on that oak tree are going to be thousands of acorns, thousands of other seeds now. That's how God multiplies. But as long as you hang on to it, protect it, say, I can't afford to give. I'm I'm too afraid to give. What if I can't do this? What if I can't do that? Listen, when you trust God, when you have faith in God, you understand that when God guides, he provides, and that he miraculously multiplies what's given to him. And I've said it over and over again. I'd rather have 90% blessed of my income than 100% cursed because I wasn't obedient to God. Because God has a way of taking what we give to him and multiplying it so that when even your needs are met, you walk away with 12 basketfuls. But why? Why does God sometimes give you more than what you need. That brings us to the last point this morning. And that is, you might be a part of God's miracle provision. Go back here at 2 Corinthians 9, 10. Listen to what Paul said. He says, now he supplies seed to the sower. You've heard me say that before. He he provides seed to the sower, seed to the giver. Not the one who hoards it, not the the one who sows it. Why would God give seed to somebody if they're not going to do anything with the seed? I mean, it's like the talents. The one that got the one talent didn't do anything with it. What did God do? He took it away from him and gave it to somebody that would invest it. Somebody who would do something with it. But he gives seed to the sower and bread for food. Notice, he who does that will also, I love supply, but not just supply, but also multiply, increase. Look at your neighbor and say, increase. Hmm. That's what, that's what many of us need here this morning. Increase. 
increase. He doesn't just supply, but he also increases your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Why? Because he wants us to be able to be a part of his miraculous provision. Look at what he says in the very next verse of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11. He says, God will have you enriched in every way. Why? So that you can have what you want, so that you can get the bigger house, so that you can get the bigger TV screen, you know, so that you can have more of this or more of that. No, he says, I want you to be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And then he says this, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. We want you to come and join us here at Summerton Church of God. God is doing some amazing and miraculous things, and we want you and your family to be a part of that. We are eliminating the darkness in this community by being light.